0: Now let's turn to our scriptures, 2 Corinthians chapter one. 2 Corinthians chapter one, beginning with verse three. Let's all rise for the reading of God's word. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Christ, Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with a comfort with which we ourselves were comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. Let's pray. Father... We thank you. We thank you for these words of scripture. And we pray, Father, that they will become a reality in our lives in the midst of trials and tribulations, in the midst of pain and suffering. And that, Father, the reality of it will be so forceful and resolute in our lives that we will come to know you and love you more. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Now, this morning, we're going to complete the message, Blessings When Life Gets Broken. In the last week, we saw that there are umpteen different ways in which life can be broken. Our lives can get broken temporarily and sometimes for a longer period than just temporary. Now, when those times happen, God always has a blessing awaiting us. We just need to receive that, know it, and receive it. Let's just get right into the message for this morning. First of all, we're going to take a look at seven reasons that give meaning to pain and suffering. That's really the intent of the message today. Seven reasons that give meaning to pain and suffering. First reason, pain and suffering gets our attention. Pain and suffering gets our attention. Look at verse three and four of 2 Corinthians chapter one. That's what we'll be for the, the entirety of the message. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Verse 4, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any afflictions with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now take a look at that little conjunction in the middle of verse 4. It says, so that. That tells us that what God is attempting to do is get our attention to the pain and suffering that, or the affliction, as he writes it here, that we are experiencing. God is trying to get our attention. Pain and suffering gets our attention. Our staff prays every staff meeting for the prayer request written on the connection cards. So normally our staff meetings are on Monday morning, so we take time on Monday morning to pray. Uh, if it's a holiday, then we pray on Tuesday mornings. Now the cards are assigned to different staff members and the staff members break off in pairs and come into the sanctuary and either sit or walk around the sanctuary while they are praying for the prayer requests given to them. Now when we come in here, I asked or we ask the admin staff to set a timer for 17 minutes. So we have 17 minutes to pray. All right. Why 17 minutes? I calculated it out and 17 minutes plus the, all the other prayer times we have, we pray about one out of every five minutes that we meet as a staff. So after 17 minutes, our admin staff rings a bell so that the staff knows to return to the meeting. The so that, so that means the bell was getting the attention of the staff. So we reconvene in our meeting. God oftentimes allows pain and suffering in our lives so that he can get our attention. Our family owned a catering truck business when I was a preteen and teenager. Here's a picture of a catering truck. This is old school catering. Today, you know, they cook inside the truck and stuff. This was old school. They used to call it a roach coach. Ours was really clean, because my dad and uncle made us clean it. Now, my father took us to work for about 14 hours per day during the summer. Uh, We started work sometime after 2 a.m. So we used to get up around 2 a.m. and leave the house before 3 o'clock in the morning to start our work day so that we would learn a work ethic. Now, if you're a teenager and your summers are spent 14 hours a day working, that's pain and suffering. I really, I mean, it, the day just dragged on and on and on. 14 hours is a lot of hours. And, uh, but it got our attention. I don't know if that was the express purpose of our parents, but it got our attention. And we learned a work ethic as a result. So we endured pain and suffering every summer so that something could be built into our lives, a work ethic. It got our attention. C.S. Lewis wrote, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in, in our pains, It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. He shouts to us in our pain and suffering. This is one of my all-time favorite quotes by C.S. Lewis. I first read this when I was going through that immense back pain some 30 years ago that was alleviated only through surgery. And during that season, God got my undivided attention because of the pain and suffering, and I learned much. One of the benefits for me as a pastor is I have an appreciation for people in our church family who are going through excruciating pain and suffering, physical in nature. So pain and suffering gets our attention. Secondly, pain and suffering allows us to be strengthened by God. Pain and suffering allows us to be strengthened by God. Look at verse 4. Who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with a comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. God comforts us. He sustains us. He strengthens us right, through it all. How else could we comfort others unless we ourselves have somehow been strengthened by the comfort which God has given to us? So God allows pain and suffering to make us perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's called strengthening. Turn to James chapter one. Keep a marker in 2 Corinthians chapter one, but turn to James chapter one, verses two to four. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Now notice he says when you encounter, not if you encounter, but when you encounter various trials. We will all encounter trials over the course of our lives. No matter how young we are, No matter how old we are. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Note that it's a testing of faith. And it produces something. God's trials, our pain and suffering, is productive in the economy of God. And let endurance have its perfect result. Now what's the result? So that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Trials the tools of God, to make us perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And normally, and oftentimes, trials have associated with it pain and suffering. He doesn't cause the pain and suffering of a trial, but he uses them for our good. There's a legend concerning an old violin maker who was much envied by his fellow artisans because of the superiority of the instruments he produced. Finally, he disclosed the secret of his success. While others went into the protected valleys to cut wood to make their violins, he climbed the rugged crags of a nearby, nearby mountain to secure trees which had become severely twisted and gnarled by storms. This is one such tree. You know, when a tree is confronted with that kind of wind, gale force winds, and just exposed to the elements, it doesn't grow perfectly. It's gnarled and twisted. From these weather-beaten monarchs of the forest, he then fabricated his violins. Famous for their tone and their beauty. He knew that the fierce trial of the mountain gales caused such trees to to strengthen and toughen their fibers. It it was this, their storm-tortured heart and grain that produced the deep, colorful tones when the instrument was played. And I dare say that as we weather the mountain gales in our lives, When trials and tribulations and pain and suffering strike, as God allows us to weather it through his comfort and through his strengthening, all of a sudden, the tones of our life thereafter change much more beautiful, much more melodic as we walk step in step with our Savior. God uses pain and suffering to strengthen us. We don't feel it and understand it in the midst of it. But that's going to be the result. Perfect and complete. Lacking in nothing. So pain and suffering gets our attention. It allows us to be strengthened by God. Thirdly, pain and suffering allows us to comfort others. Look at verse 4. Who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. God comforts us which prepares us and enables us to comfort others, especially when they're going through the same thing we went through. That's what he's saying. Iron does indeed sharpen iron. And God always uses people to comfort people. Last week, I shared a story of Johnny Erickson Tata. Remember, she became a quadriplegic at the tender age of 17 by jumping into a body of water that was shallow. Johnny Erickson Tata understands and understood, over the course of her life, pain and suffering as a quadriplegic. You think, wow, what a trial. God allowed her to experience a lifelong trial, which included pain and suffering periodically. Then in 2010, Johnny Erickson Tata was diagnosed with breast cancer. Breast cancer, if it were me, I'd be thinking, you know, Lord, I've been in this wheelchair for some 40 years, and now, breast cancer, don't you think you've taught me enough? And I probably would wallow in self-pity. That's just me. Johnny Erickson Tada wrote this, breast cancer always happens to other women, not me. Forty-five years of living in a wheelchair provided enough challenges without thinking of cancer. Do you blame her one bit? It's like all of a sudden the Lord's allowing circumstances to pile on in her life. Typical of Johnny Erickson Todd she faced it head-on and then produced material of the insights she learned while she battled, battled her cancer. She then made available a DVD to help others through their struggles. You know, Johnny Erickson Tada, whether it pertains to her special needs or to her cancer, she has always used her pain and suffering to help comfort those who suffer alongside of her. One of my three, she's one of the three people I admire most from my generation, Johnny Erickson Tada. Rather than wallow in self-pity, And what did she do? She just saw this as an opportunity for God strengthening her as as he had done for 45 years of her life. And she decided to turn it for good. And she started ministering to ladies who were experiencing breast cancer rather than wallow in self-pity. Amazing. It's amazing faith. Amazing faith that has legs that just continue to walk. And one of the things that Christy shared last week is all the trials that happened to her, she hopes she doesn't waste it, that she and Albert don't waste it, and that they somehow use it for God's glory. That's indeed the life of of Joni Erickson Tada. So pain and suffering gets our attention. It allows us to be strengthened by the Lord. It allows us to comfort others. Fourthly, pain and suffering allows us to build community. Pain and suffering allows us to build community. Look at verse 8. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction. We don't want you, my our brethren, to be unaware of our affliction. Now here, Paul wrote a letter. Today, what would he do? Sent out a blast. Email, text messaging, whatever social media that's at his disposal. He would have done that. See, pain and suffering gives us a golden opportunity to build community. To be in an intimate kind of relationship With other people Who want to support us I think that's one of the things That, I really, that really blessed me about Christy's testimony Last week it's Rather than just keeping it all to herself That is Albert's heart attack And what he was going through The coma he was going through She just sent out emails for prayer Building community It's amazing how the community of faith came around them Sometimes you feel isolated It could be because you haven't allow people into your pain and suffering. If not many, at least a few. We are never met, we were never meant by God to suffer alone. We're not meant to rejoice by ourselves either. We're supposed to do it in community. Jean Vanier, a Catholic, Catholic philosopher, theologian and humanitarian wrote this. There are times when we together, when together we discover that we make up a single body, that we belong to each other, and that God has called us to be together as a source of life for each other. And nowhere is that made more evident than when we are going through pain and suffering and we let other people in on it. Building community. Don't walk it by yourself. Don't walk alone. Let a few people in so they can walk with you. When I was in high school, I was playing baseball and I got spiked. I was playing first base. We tried a pickoff play and the kid coming back, my friend, my good friend, stepped on my ankle and a spike cut into my ankle. It's a pretty deep gash. My dad was one of the assistant coaches and he said, you know, I'll take care of it. And he got what once upon a time was the remedy for antiseptic use. He took a bottle of iodine. Look it up, kids. Iodine. And he opened it up and he poured it into my wound. Oh, it hurt I mean, it hurts. So, it was worse than the spike itself. He poured that iodine in. Now, children, put down your pieces of paper if you're working on it. Look up at me for a minute. Children, fourth grade and under. Every once in a while, your parents are going to have to wash out an owie. You know, you get a cut or something, and they say, okay, we've got to wash it out, or we've got to put something on it. But, but sometimes when you wash out an owie, it hurts. That's not bad hurt. That's not bad pain and suffering. It's good pain and suffering. Why? Because it's cleaning out the wound. And so that pain and suffering of that owie is a good thing. And you have to let your parents do it, even though it hurts. But it keeps an infection from happening and your wound getting worse. Sometimes your parents say, time to go to the doctor. And you go. And you get a shot. They didn't tell you that in advance. But you're going to get a shot. And a a shot is sometimes an owie but it's a good owie. It's good pain and suffering. Why? Because it prevents some things, some bad things happening to you which are far worse in terms of pain and suffering. And so sometimes you have to endure that pain and suffering because there's good that comes from it. And that's what I'm trying to teach your parents to, today. That now all pain and suffering isn't just all bad, but blessings can come from it. Okay kids? So when they have to wash out an owie or when you have to go get a shot it's a good thing. It's a Wonderful thing, because it keeps you from getting worse. Now you can return to whatever you were doing. All right, so I had the spike, and they went, and they had to, I had to get it sutured up, then they gave a prescription. I think it was an antibiotic and a stronger uh, medication than aspirin. That was the ana, 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 analgesic of the day, aspirin, all right. So I laid down on my bed, and my parents said, we're gonna go get the uh, prescription. So she and the whole family, my sister and brother, they went off. I didn't know, but they got dinner too. So they, on the way to the pharmacy or after pharmacy, they went to dinner. And I was lying there for like three weeks. right? <laughs> because that's what it sounded like. I mean, that's what it felt like. It probably, they were probably only gone like 45 minutes to an hour. It felt like forever. Because when you're undergoing pain and suffering and you're by yourself, it hurts like forever. Probably about an hour later, they came home. I was so glad when I I heard the car come up the driveway. And the moment they came into the room and came into the house, I felt better, even though the pain was the same. I hadn't taken the medication yet. Why? Because pain and suffering, when you're in the midst of fellowship, when your family's there, is different. We shouldn't be going about pain and suffering by ourselves. Let people in. It's an opportunity to build community. Professor Louis Smee, my seminary professor, said this: community is not just a place for the suffering to find comfort, but for the comforter, comfortable to find suffering. Right. Very true. That's how it builds community. Right. That's, what the, that's what the Chongs allowed. Right. They not only brought comfort, were brought comfort by the people they shared with, but the people who who were let in on this found a sort of comfort also. So pain and suffering gets our attention. It allows us to be strengthened by God. It, it allows us to comfort others and allows us to build community. Pain and suffering also allows us to trust and depend on God. To trust and depend on God. Verse 9 says, Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves. I mean, this is, Paul is dealing with death. In order that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. So Paul is saying, you know, we're faced with death. But I'm okay with that. Because I can trust and depend on God. Because I know he can raise the dead. The ultimate person in whom you could trust. Hebrews 5.8 5, 5, 8 says this of Jesus. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. It teaches us to trust and depend on God. Let me share a quote from Ann Ortland, author and speaker. A young pastor friend has been through the trial of his life. When I saw him recently, he asked me, what do you do when God doesn't say yes, doesn't give it, doesn't make it happen? You ever be there, ask for healing, ask for a restoration of a relationship, a reconciliation, you ask for it, but it's not there. Doesn't happen. Then he answered his own question. Through agony, I've gotten to know God better. I love him more. He showed me a piece of paper he keeps in his wallet. It says this. Look to his face, not to his hand. What does he mean by that? Sometimes we look to God for what he can do for us. God, can you fix this? Can you make the pain go away? Can you resolve the relationship issue that I have? When really what we should be doing is... Look to his face Sit in the presence of God And let his presence minister to us Look to his face And not just to his hand You know we have our share of members Suffering from cancer And in every instance Without exception As their suffering and pain increased So did their trust and dependence on God It's a remarkable Remarkable thing to see Oftentimes, I just wish, if I went through that, I hope I am the same way. But there, for the grace of God, go I. And I won't know till I get there. So pain and suffering gets our attention. It allows us to be strengthened by God. It allows us to comfort others. It allows us to build community. And it allows us to trust and depend on God. Pain and suffering also allows us to experience God's deliverance. Every once in a while, God just delivers us. Look at verse 10. Paul wrote, who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope, he will yet deliver us. Paul was in perilous times continuously, shipwrecked, in prison, ready to be executed. Um, And yet, God continually delivered him until the time came for his departure. I have a pastor friend whom we trained into ministry. He and his wife were expecting their fourth child, the doctors told them that this would be a special needs child with an underdeveloped brain. Therefore, they recommended an abortion. It was an extremely painful time with them or for them. Now, they didn't they didn't at once consider aborting the child. But it still was a time of pain and suffering as they awaited the birth of their child. As it turned out, their son was perfectly normal. If the couple had aborted the child, they would not have experienced God's provision for them. And even if the child had an underdeveloped brain and was given birth, there still was a blessing of God to be had through it all. You know, they never would have been able to experience the deliverance of God. The child happened to be normal, or even if the child wasn't, God would have still delivered them. But it had to happen before they could witness God's deliverance. God will always deliver us. may not be quite the way we expect it to be, but he will deliver us. Eventually, Paul goes to death. He gets arrested and he gets executed. And that was a deliverance from this life into the next. There's always, always deliverance. Pain and suffering also allows us to build a prayer life. Look at verse 11. Build a prayer life. You also joining and helping us through your prayers. See, they're joining the Apostle Paul in his trial, in his suffering, through prayer. But thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed upon us through the prayers of many. The people who pray can also give thanks as they see God's deliverance or whatever it is that God has decided for that particular person at that particular point in time. That's another thing that really uh, blessed me in Christie's testimony. I mean, she sent out prayer requests all over the place. I mean, it went all over the world. She allowed others to pray for their family. And they believed with all their heart that that made a difference. And then as God delivered Albert in the way that he chose to deliver Albert, they were able to share the results for many to give thanks alongside them. It allows us to build a prayer life. If something happens in your life, immediately get some people to pray for you. Pray with them, share it. You know, sometimes in our community, we're kinda, we kind of keep things close to the vest. You know what that means? All right, I think that's like a, a poker term, lest I know much about poker. Right. You, you look at your cards, you keep it close to the vest, so other people can't see it. I think that's where it comes from. I may be also making it up. Because I didn't look it up, I'm just thinking about it right now. All right. All right. You keep it close to the vest so other people can't see it. Well, you know, when something happens in our lives, we're not supposed to keep it close to the vest. We're supposed to share it. That's part of what the body of Christ is all about. Don't be so private that you can't share the blessing and the needs of your pain and suffering. You know, you don't have to broadcast it to the whole world, but choose some tr- trustworthy people, people you have confidence in, people who can hold a confidence, and share it with them, that they may join you in prayer and in other ways. Here's a final thought. Remember this. God sees things differently than we do. Always remember that. The Lord sees things differently than we see it. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Aren't we glad of that? Our thinking is not God's thinking. Our thoughts aren't God's thoughts. Our ways aren't God's ways. And thanks be to God for that. And so when it comes to pain and suffering, God doesn't see it quite the same way we may see it when we're in the midst of it. How does God see things? We see trials. God sees opportunities for growth. We see suffering. God sees steadfastness. We see shattered dreams. God sees the pieces for a new beginning. His ways aren't our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So where is your point of suffering? What's going on in your life, in some sector of your life perhaps, where there is pain and suffering? You may have even repressed it for a season, but it's still there and you know it's there. God sees it differently than you see it. So maybe it's time to reveal it. You know, one song that has blessed me over the years is a song written by Laura Story, entitled, Blessings. And uh, she just takes a whole different perspective on seeing pain and suffering. And I thought I'd take a few moments and share with you her story. Blessings, God's goodness, the Father's favor, the Lord's loving kindness in our lives. Blessings. A bright hope for an imminent future. An optimistic expectation of an impending time to come. An eager anticipation of an important life to live. Blessings. Potential untapped. Possibilities unfulfilled. Prospects untouched. The Bible is filled with moments of blessing. God blessed Adam and Eve. God blessed Abraham. God blessed Isaac. God blessed Joseph. God blessed his only begotten son, Jesus. They were all blessed by God, prosperous adequately, prominent definitely, powerful undeniably. Yet Adam and Eve were banished from the Garden of Eden. Abraham went childless for most of his life. Isaac lost a son. Jacob was hated by his brother. Joseph was sold into slavery. Jesus was mocked, beaten, hung on a cross, and felt forsaken by his Father. Blessings are so much more than just prosperity, prominence, and power. The one who created us wants us so much more for us than possessions, prestige, and persuasion. Blessings come when we are more like the one who made us. Our view of blessings is so restrained, so restricted, so reduced and so regulated. We desire earthly happiness instead of everlasting joy. We yearn for creature comfort instead of godly growth. We long to be loved unreservedly instead of loving others unconditionally. We pray for blessings, we pray for peace, comfort for family, protection while we sleep. We pray for healing, for prosperity, We pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. All the while, you hear each spoken need, yet love us way too much to give us lesser things. A husband dies. A wife discovers a lump. A child develops an illness. A friend has an accident. A career comes to a halting end. A retirement fund suddenly evaporates. Heartaches abound. Nights are sleepless. Days are endless. Tears are shed. Hearts are broken. Minds are overwhelmed. Love grows cold. Where's the blessing? Where is our God? We pray for wisdom, your voice to hear. And we cry in anger when we cannot feel you near. We doubt your goodness. We doubt your love. As if every promise from your word is not enough, all the while, You hear each desperate plea, and long that we'd have faith to believe. Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if the trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? We look for the sun to shine. We hope for cloudless skies. We seek shelter in the rain. We climb from mountaintops, we live for triumph, we desire comfort, we struggle for peace, we expect good health, we long for friendships, we anticipate good times, we yearn for love. But what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if my greatest disappointments were the aching of this life is the revealing of a greater thirst this world can't satisfy. And what if the trials of this life, the rain, the storms, the hardest nights, are your mercies in disguise? Yes, God loves us far too much to leave us as we are. He uses whatever is necessary to repair and to refine, to replenish and to restore us to a place deserving a child of the King. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings, for your sovereign will being done. May we always trust in the fact that however your blessings come, you love us no matter what. Father, I lift up all those in our church family who are going through times of trial, times of pain and suffering. Father, I thank you that according to your word, you are a God of all comfort. And you are in the midst right now of bringing them comfort, even though they cannot see it readily. Father, I pray for for losses that have occurred over this past year. Father, I pray for the loss of loved ones. Father, I pray for separations that require reconciliation. Father, I pray for, for things that aren't going as according to plan. Lord, I ask in Jesus' name for every tear that is shed, every sleepless night that exists, that your comfort will begin to abound in a life that is dedicated to you. Father, I pray that you allow our church family to always allow community to be built around times of pain and suffering, that prayers will always be lifted up. And Father, we who have been comforted already will be willing to comfort others who are going through the very exact same thing. Father, we pray that we will never waste pain and suffering. That, Father, you will help us to know how to use it for good as you have used it and will use it for good in our lives, to make us perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Lord, give us confidence in that, even though we can, our eyes are blurred with tears. Thank you, Lord. I pray you bless our church family. in Any season of life which becomes difficult, You would encourage them. You will strengthen them. You will let them know that you are there. And may they have the understanding and wisdom to acknowledge your presence in the midst of what they're going through. Thank you. I'll continue in prayer and meditation. And if you are here and you would like to receive the greatest blessing of all, which is salvation through Jesus, that you would like to begin a journey with Him this day, I invite you to invite Christ into your life. By repeating this prayer after me, making it your own. This is the prayer to say silently before the Lord. Dear Jesus, I believe you are God's Son, that you died on a cross, that you rose from the grave. I am a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. I ask you into my life as my Savior and Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now close off your prayer with an amen. And with all heads bowed and eyes closed, with the exception of our pastors, if you prayed that prayer with me today, praise the Lord. And would you please raise your hand and raise it high so we can see who you are and support you in your newfound journey of faith. Please raise your hand now and raise it high so we can acknowledge it. A pastor will come and visit you after the service. So please raise your hand and raise it high. Father, we pray that as the gospel goes forth, that Lord your Holy Spirit will cause people to respond. Even if they weren't able to raise their hand this day, At Father, they'll disclose the fact that they became a new creature in Christ on this day. Thank you. And now, Lord, also bless the time of prayer uh, that will follow. And, Lord, I pray that you'll encourage people to go receive prayer by the prayer ministry team. Thank you, Father. We pray this. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.